Hi, and welcome to episode number 12 of the Crypto Chick Podcast, your inside resource for the latest blockchain and crypto trends and news. I'm your host, the Crypto Chick, Rachel Wolfson. Today, I'm interviewing the famous venture capitalist, Bitcoin bull, and entrepreneur, Tim Draper. In this episode, Tim explains how he became involved with Bitcoin and goes into detail as to how this cryptocurrency will change the entire world. Tim also discusses the recent Bitcoin price spike and stands by his prediction that Bitcoin will hit 250K by 2022 or 2023. Without further ado, let's get right to my interview with Tim. Enjoy. Hi, Tim. Thank you so much for joining me on the Crypto Chick Podcast. How are you doing today? Terrific. It's a great honor to be a crypto chick. Thank you. Well, it's a great honor to have you on my show. I know that I interviewed you before for the Bad Crypto Podcast, but this is a little bit different. And um, and yeah, I've got lots of interesting questions for you. So definitely looking forward to having you here. All right. Fire away. Wonderful. So obviously, as most people know, you're very bullish when it comes to Bitcoin. So I think our listeners um, would like to know how you got involved with Bitcoin in the first place. Well, it was a long time ago. And it was something like 2004 when I was talking with a, a Korean friend and he he told me that some interesting things that happened in Korea. There was a company called or a, a game called Lineage. I think it was called Lineage, where about half of all Koreans were playing the game. And I said, what what is this game? And he said, yeah, it's it's so important to me that I am paying someone to be an avid, my avatar when I go off to work so that I can move forward in the game. And I thought, wow, people are going to live in a virtual world as well as their physical world. That was the beginning of me thinking virtually. And then I thought virtual real estate, virtual money, all those virtual things. And so I was looking for virtual money and a lot of these massively multiplayer games had virtual money. But when Bitcoin came along, I said, this is it. This is exciting. And uh, and so I got very involved. I, I backed CoinLab and then I uh, gave uh, CoinLab money. Bitcoin was at six dollars a Bitcoin. And he said, well, I can probably get it for you for four dollars a Bitcoin. And I said, well, OK, great. Go do that. He said, I'm going to use your money to uh, mine it. And so he went and bought an ASIC or, and the ASIC never got delivered. We were wondering what was going on with the ASIC. Well, it turns out that the company that made the ASIC was front running him. They were, they were producing their own Bitcoin with the chip that, that he had made, he had designed. Uh, and they were getting all the Bitcoin. Bitcoin moved up to about $36 a share. Or thirty-six dollars a Bitcoin, and then, and then we finally got the chip, and we finally started mining, and we got um, some Bitcoin, and it it was stored in Mount Gox, and so when Mount Gox stole or disappeared all that money, I thought that was the end of Bitcoin. I thought, oh God, too bad because that was going to be a really interesting currency. And I really would have liked to have seen how it played out. But Bitcoin only dropped about 15% on the news that Mt. Gox, the biggest exchange, had basically stolen or disappeared. 40% of the 
they were 40% of all Bitcoin went through them. And I thought that was the end, but it turned out it wasn't the end. And I thought, oh, there must be other uses for this. This or a lot of uses and people really care. And then I um, did some research and I realized that people were using it for remittance. They were using it for stored value. They were later on, I realized uh, I had a conversation with Sebastian Serrano, who, who said, hey, well, I live in Argentina and my parents have lost their fortune three times in my life and I'm only 30 and they've lost it to currency manipulation or currency uh, devaluation. And so now I'm looking at Bitcoin and I'm saying, wow, this is a really interesting way for us to operate in Argentina. And that was a very exciting moment for me. And so I got, I went all in, started to buy some Bitcoin, uh, helped my son. My son had set up a, a Bitcoin, in, uh, Bitcoin incubator or accelerator called Boost. And I then started to back some of the companies coming out of his accelerator. And then the U.S. Marshal's office came up and offered a bunch of Bitcoin for sale. And I thought, wow, this is a great way to buy a bunch of Bitcoin. And everybody I talked to were trying to figure out at what discount they, they could buy the Bitcoin. And I decided that uh, in order to get the Bitcoin, I would bid above market. And I think I may have been the only bid above market. And I, I just figured that if it was going to go uh, badly, it wouldn't matter what I paid. And if it was going to go well, it was going to go really well. And I was going to make a lot of money whether I paid 2% two, two less or, or not. So that's how it all started. And then I got very excited. And each time I look at Bitcoin, I'm always looking at it and thinking that this is a uh, major transformation, not just of currency, not just of finance, not just of banking, but really of the way the world operates. Because now you can use a Bitcoin, uh, like, let's say you're in Sudan and you are trying to escape the country. And let's say you're a wealthy person from Sudan. Well, if you go to Greece and you're a refugee, you start with zero. They aren't taking your Sudanese money, certainly not your credit now that you've left the country. But if you had put it all in Bitcoin, if it was all Bitcoin was a part of your um, your wealth, you could just drop it down and start your life over with Bitcoin. And so everything became decentralized. And now people are starting to think decentralized. Instead of thinking of political currency that's tied to some politician or, or bureaucracy or whatever that swings with the wind, you actually are free from that. And you've got an open, transparent, honest currency uh, that is secure. And that makes a big difference to a lot of people. It also gets people thinking that yeah, before we were tribal and we all had our own currency. And now 
um, the tribalism is starting to diminish as the geographic borders fall and we become more one big globe. And that's not just in currency, but it could be in governance. Governance, I believe, will be a competitive field, much the way uh, oil is or healthcare or uh, or banking or whatever. Uh, governance uh, won't, I don't believe it can, it, it will go to the centralized source. I think governments are going to now have to compete for their citizens. Hmm. Uh, and that's going to be a really big change. And they're going to have to start thinking, what can I do to attract more citizens? What can I attract to do to attract businesses and and entrepreneurs and, and whatever else? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a good point that you make because we're already seeing that in places like Malta, the blockchain island, um, in places like in states like Virginia with what they're doing with all the blockchain laws um, that have passed recently. So I think that we're already seeing states in different countries wanting to bring more blockchain and cryptocurrency in so it can attract more, more people there and more jobs and all of that. So that's definitely a good point. Yeah, Wyoming has also passed some great laws for right, Wyoming. Bitcoin. Wyoming. Yes, I said Virginia, but I actually meant Wyoming. Good. Yes, oh, thank you. And South, <laughs> and South Carolina is uh, is working on something too, and so oh, that's wow. going to be exciting. And so I suspect that, and that's just in the U.S., but globally, um, where chi- where China did the paranoid thing. And, mm-hmm. and said, oh, we can't have Bitcoin or whatever. Um, Japan uh, decided it would make it a make Bitcoin a national currency. And that has been a great attraction for entrepreneurs all over the world. And so Japan really it has has made a major move to create a, a more attractive, competitive government government in this new decentralized world. Right. Definitely. Well, you know, and also the last time we spoke um, for the Bad Crypto podcast, I think Bitcoin was at its all-time high. And then, you know, obviously we just had this crypto winter and now Bitcoin, the price is kind of back up again. I think it's a little bit over $5,000 right now. So what are your thoughts like on the current price spike in Bitcoin? Why do you think that happened? And, and any other thoughts that you want to share on that? All technologies go through this curve where they... They start, nobody cares, and then they grow and they get more and more attractive and people see the potential of them. And then they go on to this hype cycle and they get very excited. Everybody, press writes about it. Everybody has to get in on it. and It's a big deal. And then the press says, well, wait a second, we can't do all those things yet. And so then people get disenchanted. They go through this period of disenchantment and then they're, they're start to be more and more applications for whatever the technology is. And once there are more applications, then there are more uses and the, the price starts moving up, the excitement starts gaining again. But the excitement will never be as hyped as it is that first time around, but the value grows sustainably over a long, long period. and. Um, you know, that I guess you could say the, the dot com world went through the same thing, went up, came crashing down. Nobody cared about it. 
And then uh, Amazon and all those others have become such a central part of our lives. And they did it relatively quietly. So, but would you say that there was something that triggered, like one particular thing that triggered this um, recent spike in the price of Bitcoin? Um, I think it's jumping up in discrete movements because uh, there there are still the uh, the trading volumes are still not high enough for people to for it to day to day move up or down. Mm-hmm five or 10%. Instead, it's, it moves up in a discrete position. And then it says, okay, now the new price is sort of 5,000. It was 3,000 for a couple of months, and then it was 4,000 for a couple of months, and now it's 5,000. And I suspect it'll stay here until there's another reason, another thing that pushes people people forward. I, I think maybe open node you know, using the Lightning Network has solved a lot of people's problems. I think J.P. Morgan finally uh, resolving to kind of create their own token made everybody realize that that they were just positioning by saying that Bitcoin, you know, couldn't be used on a J.P. Morgan credit card and all that stuff. And I think people are, you know, smart enough to realize that that Bitcoin's a much better token than anything J.P. Morgan could could open because uh, J.P. Morgan is still a centralized source. Mm-hmm. And decentralization is really one of the big keys to to the you know cre- creating the best digital currencies. Right. Would you say that that's kind of like your main issue with the J.P.M. coin right now is the fact that it's just not fully decentralized? Well, it's totally centralized. It's centralized around J.P. Morgan, and it's tied to uh, the political currency too. So it's it's like double centralized. Mm-hmm. It's twice it's twice as bad as anything we ever had. Wow. So I no, I'm not pleased with it. I don't think it makes oh any God. sense at all. But sure, I'm sure some people will use it or buy it or whatever, and and uh, that's great. There are some benefits to just being a digital token. You can you can move the money fairly quickly, mm-hmm. uh, but you still are uh, at the mercy of all the, this, the bureaucratic pol- political currencies because it's it's a um, a token that's tied to the dollar or, or some other currency, and uh, and it's a uh, very uh, uh, and then, and then the decisions around it are all centralized. So, so I think people who want an open, decentralized world and realize the value of a currency that's frictionless, global, open, and not tied to any political force, they're all going to go with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm, definitely. But right now, we're also seeing more enterprises using blockchain technology. I mean, I think that 2019 is the year of enterprises uh, using blockchain. So what are your thoughts on that? For example, I recently wrote an article about um, the IBM WorldWire Network. Um, I don't know if you know much about that, but what are your thoughts on enterprises using blockchain for cross-border payments and remittances and all of that? Yeah, they're well, they're all going to be, well, for cross-border payments, uh, they're They'll probably be they'll be using Bitcoin and using the blockchain to 
pass the, the money through or for uh, to keep track of it. Blockchain technology, uh, you know, you, you start with Bitcoin and then all the technologies that have come off it are the blockchain, the smart contracts, and a lot of artificial intelligence has come off of it. But, mm-hmm. but the, the, uh, a lot of corporates are using blockchain for money transfer, so they're, they're basically using Bitcoin, and that helps them pay their employees overseas, and it helps them not have as much friction moving money across a border and all that. But then the other thing that happens is uh, that they might use blockchain to store data, and that's a valuable thing to do. And then they might build in smart contracts with in the in the deals that they do with other companies, and uh, those are another amazing force that have has come out of the Bitcoin technology. So a lot of really interesting things are going to be happening over the, yeah, over this year, next year, next four or five years, we're going to see some amazing changes. Right. And do you have any um, blockchain projects that you're particularly fond of? Uh, yeah, well, uh, we're, we backed OpenNode. We're very excited about that. That speeds up uh, Bitcoin. So it's as fast as faster. It will be faster than uh, the Visa network, and that'll make it so that it'll be easy to buy and sell um, Starbucks. Uh, you know, buy and sell, buy buy coffee with Bitcoin, buy simple things with Bitcoin. Uh, because what they do is they they um, make all the trades off chain, and then they use the, the blockchain to to verify everything. It's um, it's pretty exciting because imagine this, I could be, um, I could run my whole venture fund by raising Bitcoin from other people, investing Bitcoin in startups and having those startups pay their employees and suppliers in Bitcoin. If I do that, the blockchain keeps a perfect record. Everybody has a Bitcoin wallet. And so we would end up being able to operate completely without all of that accounting costs or all of that legal costs. Uh, our limited partners, our investors, could each have a wallet and we could build a smart contract so that if one of those companies was sold, one of the portfolio companies was sold, it would immediately go into all of their wallets without uh, it would go right down the waterfall without any human touching it. And so uh, we could build some extraordinary trust in the system. This is the beginning of something extraordinary. So many different industries are going to be affected. Smart contracts are like the perfect thing for an insurance company because, you know, you Right now, you, you pay your claims all the time. I mean, you pay your premiums all the time. And then a claim comes, and then they fight you on it. Well, you could have an insurance company that was, where it was just built in. It was a smart contract. And when the event happened, whatever it is, you get that money. And that could um, – and what does a government do? They pretty much are completely insurance. They give you medical insurance and health. They give you the healthcare insurance, the the pension, 
program. They, they give you insurance on welfare, on workers' compensation, on um, all the social security, everything, you know, m- much of what government does, I think it's something like 80% of what government does is an insurance policy. Well, that could mm-hmm. all be replaced by blockchain. That could be one big uh, smart contract built where where all the citizens of the of that government they may not live in that country all the citizens of that government could be covered by all those insurance policies just with Bitcoin and just through through a smart contract with the government. This is the beginning, and so you don't need that huge bureaucracy and all those. All those rules tied to what everybody has to do at different stages. Uh, so this is really one of the most, it's, it, it is transformational for humanity. It's going to be an amazing thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree. This is very transformational and we're going to see a lot of developments um, in the future. And, and even now we're seeing some really great use cases. So do you still predict that Bitcoin will hit 250K by 2022? Yeah, twenty maybe twenty twenty three, but it's in that range. There is no question in my mind that Bitcoin will have a five percent market share, which is all it requires in order to hit two hundred fifty thousand. There is ninety trillion dollars worth of currency in the world. That number will probably increase because of crypto, and um, and as people evolve and understand Bitcoin better and start seeing the uses and seeing the uh, opportunity and the security behind it, uh, they will start to uh, bring it into their own lives. And as they do, I suspect Bitcoin will be more than just a 5% share of the world economy. So uh, this is absolutely I stand by. Right. Well, that's really exciting. And that makes me even more enthusiastic about Bitcoin. Each time I speak with you, I always get so excited afterwards because I'm like, yeah, Bitcoin is going to hit 250K by 2022. So I think that's really encouraging, especially for our listeners. I'm sure they're really excited about that. So Tim, I know you're, you're short on time. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with the listeners, maybe if they want to get into crypto or what you hope to see in the future, um, anything like that? Well, um, for for those of you who are entrepreneurs, I recommend that you, well, first read my book, uh, How to Be the Startup Hero, and then think about coming to Draper University. I think those are, um, we are very confident that those services, uh, both the book and the school, uh, really have helped a lot of people become better entrepreneurs. And then... Um, if you have a business and you're getting it going and all that stuff, make sure that you think about Draper Associates as a backer. And that, and then beyond that, you know, uh, we're, we got a new world coming. And so entrepreneurs and venture capitalists are going to do very well in this new world because it is a tumultuous time. You're going to see a lot of fluff in the press. You're going to see a lot of uh, where the press wants to, where the press talks about how all these people want to keep it the same as it is, and then you're going to see more and more transformation, and our world is going to be one big globe. It's uh, 
the geographic borders are going to be less and less relevant. I think that people today, let's say you're in your 20s, when you have grandchildren, those grandchildren are going to ask you, what were those booths? And you're going to say, oh, that was customs. That's when people (laughs) couldn't go across borders. And they were stuck in one little geographic territory. And the grandchildren will say, that was stupid. <laughs> right. Well, I, I hope I'm able to see that day because that sounds like it could it could be very uh, an, an interesting time. So definitely. Oh, it'll be a free to... <laughs> time. The world will get more free and the, we'll all be much better off. Right. So, well, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. You can find further information in the show notes to learn more about Tim Draper and his recent projects. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Crypto Chick Podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, if you have time, please leave me a review. I enjoy hearing your feedback. You can reach out to me on Twitter at RachelWolf00, on LinkedIn, or on Instagram at Blockchain and Bikinis. Thanks for listening. See you all next time.